This episode of Says Who is brought to you by you. That's right, you. You. Yeah, we're talking to you, our sponsors on Patreon, which is a wonderful place where if you like a creator and you just want to make sure that they make the stuff that you like, you give them some money and then they turn that directly into the thing that you like and you get some benefits. And that is exactly what we are doing with your support at patreon.com slash says who. You can join for a buck. You can join for a lot more. And there's all sorts of goodies along the way. So we really appreciate the hell out of everybody listening straight up, contributing or not. But to all of our sponsors, we thank you a whole bunch. And you can become one at patreon.com slash says who. Hey, this is Dan coming in after the Patreon ad to tell you that tis the season for indictments. And that means why not give someone the gift of a Robert Mueller prayer candle or a P-tape prayer candle? You can slide that fucker into a stocking like nobody's business. Nothing says I love you, Grandma, like a P-tape prayer candle. And mm-hmm. for the s- citizens of Sezhuvia, from now until the end of the month of December, you can use the code SESHUVIA and get 10% off your order at omfg.church. Prayer candles for Robert Mueller, prayer candles for the P-tape, yours at omfg.church. Hi, Maureen here. I am a writer of books. Hey, listen, I've written this book, a mystery book called Truly Devious. Now, say that you have heard of it and want to read it, but you have not so far. It's okay, because you can get it on ebook for $1.99 now through December 3rd. Any That's a, that's a North America. Um, you can get it if you want Kindle, you want it on your Nook, you want it on your Kobo, you want it on Google Books, you want it on whatever. Like, it's $1.99. Just go to any of those retailers. You'll see it's $1.99. And that's till the third. And then on the fourth, the paperback comes out, which is like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, it's a good little gift. You know, it's cheaper. I really like paperbacks myself. So, like, it's right in time for the holiday season. If you want to give, say, hey, someone, this morning she wrote this mystery book, you can get it and a paperback for you. That's it. I just ended the ad. Hot for you. Hey, Maureen, you sound a little different today. Where are you mm. at? Well, Dan, I'm ah, uh, I'm on Mars. I don't, I don't think yeah, that's true. You, you may have heard some stuff yesterday about a certain rover landing on a certain Mars, and uh, I don't want to brag too much, but that was me that did that. I don't. I'm not sure you are being truthful with me right now. Well, that really depends on how you look at it. I'm looking at it like a very distant planet that's never had a human being sent to it before. Mm-hmm. I'm in Hawaii. Okay, I'm... I feel like you are just not... I feel like you're lying a lot. I'm in Manitoba. That would suck. And I think it's mm. a lie. Well, is it, though? I think it is. I, I don't think you are. I think that you're just lying. Look, Dan... This is the new way we do things now. We just say stuff and it's it's just true. All right. Welcome to iTunes number one podcast says who. God damn it, Dan. You made me choke.
Welcome to Says Who, the podcast that isn't a podcast. It's a coping strategy. I'm Dan Sinker. And I'm in Manitoba. You aren't. Where are you? I don't have a... I'm in Philadelphia, and I don't have a pop screen, which is no. why I'm going to sound a little breathier. You're dropping those P-bombs. Oh, pl- plosives all over the place. Um, is that a plosive? Mm-hmm. It is a plosive. Cool. Good, good terminology. I know. I know lots of words. Some why words. we're the number one yeah. podcast on iTunes. Oh, hell yeah, we are in our minds. I'm in Philadelphia because I did not travel for Thanksgiving last week. That was I so smart. It was super complicated. It was so complicated that we were because uh we have a dog that has a chemo schedule and Oscar's work and he had to he is actually in Stockholm right now. So Whoa. He, he left. He went to he went to Stockholm. Let me tell you something, Maureen though. I I am standing up which is exciting. I've spent my whole day laying on my back because I woke up and I was like, I can't move. Oh no. I know. I've had a I've had a creeping creeping backache that exploded somehow yesterday. And uh ho oh, oh, boy. So I am uh I am shaky but I'm standing. It feels like a real accomplishment. That is an accomplishment. Good job. Do you know why I have a bad back? Mm, you lifted a turkey? No, I was writing. <laughs> I've been writing a lot, and I have a very bad back as a result. Uh, you know what? That is absolutely true. Like, I, when I'm on a deadline, when I'm really just, like, s- stuck at the desk doing some absurd number of words a day, I basically have to go to the local... Our, we have, you know, lots of good local massage places in New York where you go in, it's like full body, $40, and it's amazing, but basically people jump on your back. And I have to do that almost, like, it can sometimes be every other day just yeah. to kind of keep going. It's like you're in a sport. Yeah, it's no good. Well, I, I don't have a great, like, long-term sitting situation. Like, the the, the space that I, I worked my job when I worked my job uh, is the same place that I record, and it's a standing, like, pure stand-up situation. But you can't really write standing for very long, at least I can't. So I just sort of hunker down in an easy chair, and oh, boy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's not good. That broke, it broke me. I noticed it a little bit when I kind of stood up from, like, a two-hour writing session last week, because I'm doing uh, NaNoWriMo this month, and... Uh, and I, I have been writing literally every night other than election night. I've been writing for about an hour and a half every night. Um, You're awesome. I am awesome. Let me tell you, you something. You are awesome. Let me tell you something, Maureen. I hate writing. And what mm. I'm writing right now, I really like, which is a very yes. foreign feeling for me. I love it. Yeah. That's I'm pretty excited wonderful. about it. I'm pretty excited it, about it. It's good. It's good. I, I I don't know that it's good. It's certainly a mess, but um, but I have I I have had no days where I'm like just hitting a slog of of writing, but I did have a day today where I had to spend the whole day on my back because, oh, my back is broken. Well, you know what I'm, but I'm proud of you. That's amazing. Thanks. I uh I should. If I can actually get my writing done tonight, uh, based on back issues, maybe a question. I should pass the fifty thousand word mark today. Soinks. 
Yeah. It's pretty exciting. I'm uh, I'm also doing a little challenge to myself. Uh, so while I'm down here, I have penciled this in because I'm saying it now and says who I have to go because I already I also bought the class already. But tomorrow I am going to my first and it's just a beginner level bar class. Now, that's wouldn't normally be a big deal, except that I about four years ago, I had a uh, and I had the incident. I had a medical incident, which kind of messed up my body. And ever since then, I have had a kind of different body that's kind of muscularly compromised and I'm not always able to do like strength building things uh yeah. makes my body do weird stuff but I am uh, trying to retrain my muscles so that is I'm awesome actually go yeah it from it's a lot like it's I'm like wow I'm really doing it so we'll see we'll see uh, look I'm doing it Dan I'm doing it to the max this year's to the max next year's even more to the max to the max Two. To the max 19, yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Know, we're not there yet. We aren't there yet. But no, we're but all doing, we're doing things. We're doing, we're taking care of ourselves, Maureen. Yeah, we're doing cool stuff. This is awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited. And uh, you had a good Thanksgiving? I did. I didn't do anything. We just chilled out. We didn't even make turkey. We made ribs and... Corn pudding and some Brussels sprouts and and, and uh, fancy. My thirteen year old made ice cream. It was delicious. And then wow. Janice made a chocolate lava cake into little individual what? chocolate lava cakes. It was awesome. Man, I'm it was going a great to your Thanksgiving. House. Yeah, you're always welcome, Maureen. You are well, always you know welcome. Hey, that could be happening in the near future. I'm excited. A whole bunch of travels coming up in my life in the near future. How about any. you? So you are you are you are this week? Are you doing like Thanksgiving two down with your down with your folks? Well, I'm just visiting. I'm actually just visiting, and I work while I'm here. And uh, it's we're not doing the the actual meal stuff. It's just a prolonged visit down in the Philadelphia area where um, everything is made of pretzels. Everything you, is made of pretzels. Are you going to see gritty? Are you going to see so. gritty? I love Are you going to so see gritty? I love you, Gritty. <sighs> Gritty lives in our hearts, Dan. Uh, yesterday, my son, uh, who has been my my thirteen year old son, has a uh, a side business in advising people on their Disney vacations, which is awesome. And he was he was working on he was working on some fast pass recommendations for 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 someone last night, and then just out of nowhere, he went. Disney is my heart, gritty is my veins. Oh my god. And I loved it. I love him so much. He's a good one. He is a good one. Well, um I will say secretly I have passed your son the the new book and we'll have to see if he likes it. He was very honest about some other comments I had. So He is already reading it. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. He's excited. He's I had to he's a, I had to shut him down last night. He wouldn't he wouldn't stop reading. So that's a good sign. Really? Oh boy. It's I'm very it now like, I'm very nervous then. I mean, it was I like eleven o'clock and he was still reading. And they'd be like, son. You know, oh boy. Shut it down. I'm so nervous. Well, you know who else had a great Thanksgiving? Who? A little a little guy named Trump. 
Oh, God, we got to talk about him, don't we? We do, It was all Dan, going so do. good. It was all going Dan, so good. This is what we do. Damn it. Surely he had a Thanksgiving. You know, like a normal, like a normal family Thanksgiving. Some normal oh. stuff. Oh, definitely. Down in Florida, down at Mar-a-Lago, had Thanksgiving. Tiffany was there, Maureen. Tiffany oh, Trump boy. was at the Thanksgiving table. And uh, the menu, can you... Can you tell me a little bit about it? Their table was in the middle of Mar-a-Lago's Thanksgiving deal. So this was what everyone, everyone that paid to be there uh, received. A full salad bar, including Caesar, wedge, tomato mozzarella, and Greek salads, deviled eggs, and duck prosciutto and melon. I'm going to stop you. I, I, need to, I need to annotate this a little bit, Dan. Oh, go ahead. So salad bar is where we're going to start. Does that mean... As I'm picturing it, like a bar, like you go up, like here, you know, you know, I'll take a little bit of that. I'll take like they dish it out like a salad. I mean, I'm 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 envisioning sneeze guards. I don't know that there's somebody somebody serving this stuff up. I think you're walking up and you know putting reaching the tongs in and and pulling it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now there's another issue here, which is it's suggesting that these are already dressed salads. It's like they've had the dressing put on there. So they're out there and they're, and they're wilting. Cause none of these are made of romaine. They made that clear because all right. romaine will kill you. Yes. You know, it won't all kill you, but they had to assume it will all kill you. And so these are weaker lettuce leaves probably that are just dripping and kind of wet and limp. Yeah. So it's like, we've got a, a bar, a salad bar. So this is a, uh, and then, so, I just and also wedge. I just want to just say it's yeah. in there. You know, it's oh, it's of in there. It's in there. Yeah. It's not a holiday if he's not eating a wedge salad, Maureen. Deviled eggs. That's disgusting. And um, I mean, I guess prosciutto, duck prosciutto and melon. Fine. Those are not salads, but you know, it's yeah. I think it's because it's cold, right? Like these are right. these are the cold dishes that you can go and and get yourself. Then uh chilled seed food display. I don't know what that means. A chilled seafood display with Florida stone crab, oysters, jumbo shrimp, and clams. This this is like a shrimp it's like a like a like a shrimp cocktail kind of situation, right? Like a tiered a tiered platter yeah. on ice. Uh, yeah, there you go. A carving station with turkey and all the trimmings, beef tenderloin, lamb and salad and salmon, sorry. Uh, entrees of Chilean sea bass, red snapper, braised short ribs. Sides include whipped potatoes, sweet potatoes, vegetables, and traditional stuffing. And that was followed by assorted desserts. Turkey, beef tenderloin, lamb, salmon, salmon. sea bass, Reese, red snapper, short ribs. Yeah. Yeah. That's six, six kind of. A six lot meats. Of... He's only eating that beef tenderloin or the braised short ribs. You don't think he's doing the turkey? No, I don't think he's doing the turkey. I mean, you, they every every Trump menu, as we have discussed on this very podcast, every Trump menu, you have to find the things that he will eat within it. And they are always the steaky, steaky related yeah, I know, items. But it's, it's Thanksgiving. You thought like, you know, I don't know. I just assumed. Well, this sounds like a classy affair and not at all like a weird wedding. And what makes it classier is that presumably the journalists were outside while the dinner was going on, but they were brought into the ballroom <laughs> at the president's resort to see a singer, to quote, see a singer perform a rendition of the music of the night. 
from Phantom of the Opera. And I just am kissing chef fingers right here because <laughs> how marvelous that must have been. Just my goodness. <laughs> Just, you could see the opera singer over by the salabar. Oh, the music of the night. I forget how it goes. Um, Touch me, hold me. Yeah, it's very, is this, oh boy. Is this, I, I, am, I am unfamiliar with the Phantom of the Opera. Uh, is this, a, is this a, a, a song that would have been performed by the guy in the half mask? Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you think he wore yes. it? No, I think it was probably just a rendition of a of a sad, misplaced opera singer who's like, it's a gig's a gig. It's hard yeah. to be an opera singer. Yeah, he's Palm Beach there. does not have a lot of opera gigs. No, you know, he's over. He, he's probably by the carving station. Touch me, hold me. It vaguely goes like that. <sighs> and then it kind of has a soaring part. Oh, it must have been very dramatic. There's I a lot of weird oh. gothic holiday stuff going on with these people lately. You've got yeah, Mel- Melania did decorate the uh, the White House with some blood red Christmas trees that are blood red. Like last year, she did sort of a weird minimalist Christmas tree thing, but this year it was really, really over the top. Like, I mean. If you have not seen the photos, says Huvians. Oh, if you, you want need to see, see them, the Christmas actually, trees, go to Parker Malloy's Twitter feed. Yeah. Former our 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 guest Parker Malloy, and she has that she's taken the video and she's put different music clips over it, so you can see it. Her walking along to uh, the Terminator theme, or Flight of the Valkyrie, or um, Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Like, there's some really good ones in there that you can check out. And and it works so well because the video they released is just Melania walking through an entirely empty White House in slow motion through these, like, gothic Christmas tableaus. It really does look like The Shining. It does. It's very strange. <laughs> they are very strange people. Like, there are there are times that you forget that. And then They're they just and giant then, weirdos. And then it comes back and it's like this is just these are just odd odd people that do not know how humans work. Well you've the world. seen the photos of the family, you know, posed in the, the big penthouse and there's like a stuffed lion. Right. <laughs> I mean it's they are just deeply deeply strange people that we have the displeasure of sort of seeing on display all the time. They sort, they sort of look like they've been shopping at expensive unclaimed freight all the time. <laughs> it's like it's like big lots for rich people. Yeah, yeah, big lots for rich people. I, I, I bought a lion. I bought a fountain. It's got a joker on it. I got, I got a case of gold leaf. Half <laughs> Just, off. I bought a column. <laughs> it shoots it shoots fireworks out of the top. Oh my god. It's just I'm gonna just, put it with the panda. I don't wanna know about these people, you know? <laughs> They're just they are very weird. So Maureen, speaking of weird people, mm-hmm. Paul Manafort is back in the news. 
Yeah, as we record, this is a situation very much in flux. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which means that it should resolve itself within moments of us hitting stop record, because that mm. seems to be how it works. Right. He'll he'll reveal, he'll pull off his face and reveal another face underneath. But um, what has Paul Manafort been up to? Um, last night, we learned that Mueller stated that uh, Manafort violated the terms of his plea deal by doing a lot of lying. Lots of yeah, lying. So, so much lying. This is the first thing. We have had weeks now where we're like, we're going to hear from Mueller. This is the first we have heard from Mueller since the election. And it was a it was a status report which basically said that Manafort's Manafort's plea deal, which Maureen, keep in mind that this is a plea deal that came after he was convicted of lying, right? Like this was a plea deal to keep him uh, from going through another trial that was supposed to happen um, happen this fall. This was a plea deal that was brokered in part because it was discovered that during, you know, during the the time that he was out on bail waiting for this trial, he was trying to coerce witnesses into lying, right? Like the trial that he was convicted on involved him lying to the tax people, to the the FBI, to a whole bunch of things. And now suddenly he is now being accused of lying <laughs> during his pre-deal. He is very committed to lying, Morgan. Mm-hmm. He's committed to two things, lying and ostrich skin jackets. Yeah, I don't think I'm committed to anything as much as Paul Manafort is committed to lying. And I have like two kids and a wife. You know what? As we spoke... Something suddenly made sense to me. It all clicked. And that's that Mueller knows. We always say Mueller must know everything. He's got emails. He's got documentations. He's got witnesses. He's got sealed indictments. He's got lists. And then you know what this is, Dan? He sees if you've been sleeping. He knows if you're awake. He knows if you've been good or bad. He's Santa. Mother is Santa. Santa. Dan, Dan, if we want him to come out, all I have to do is stick a piece of paper up my nose. Mm. This is how we get the report, Dan. Did you already do it? Kind of did it. Uh, It hurts. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. I I mean, the good news is you're at home. I have you to go can, to the hospital now. Your mom can can get some tweezers and get that right up. Get that right up there. Well, today, oh, it stings. There was a report in The Guardian that Manafort may have met with Julian Assange inside of the Ecuadorian embassy in London. And I just want to say, how fucking weird was that meeting? Because you know, he's, yeah. does he have a big apartment? It's the Ecuadorian embassy in London. It's no, probably he does not, not super big. He probably lives in like what's eventually like a weird dorm room. Right. He's in a dorm room and occasionally they cut off his internet access because he doesn't clean it enough. He's got like a poster on the wall yeah. of himself. I don't know who Julian Assange would have a poster of. Joy Division, maybe. I don't know. I don't know why I think it's Joy Division, but I do. No slant. I buy it. No, no, no shade on Joy Division. It just fits. No, it it lines up. 
but he's he's in there and presumably he's he's like, do you want to sit on my beanbag? And, you know, Manafort <laughs> scrunches down on the, you know, he's on this beanbag. He like it's tosses like, an empty box of pizza off the beanbag chair. Just, just move that. Just move that. Just move that. You can eat that if you want. So cool. you can just put um, it anywhere. Do you want some instant iced tea? Um, every once in a while, I can lower a bucket from the balcony, and someone will get me like a milkshake. You want like a milkshake? That I again, Maureen. We just we know too much about deeply weird people, like, and not weird in a good way. Like, let me. Let me just very quickly say, I love weirdos. Like, the best people that I know are weirdos, but these people are just, they are deeply odd. They're damaged. A, They're damaged they, people, which is yeah. different. Yeah. Like, these are, so there's also more today about Roger Stone and that that InfoWars guy that I refuse to, Corsi, is that his name? Yeah, that's Jerome his Corsi. Yeah, I don't want to know. Any I don't want to know the names of anybody at Infowars. I just don't. I don't want to know that there's no. any kind of infrastructure for Infowars. I don't want to know that. But that there was this whole like straight up connection where they were like, "We're gonna go talk to Julian on such and such a date, and he's gonna do this and that." I mean, come on, oh. you guys, come on. <laughs> but as these things go. It feels kind of smoking gunny, but then, you know. I mean, I have seen I have seen folks whose opinions I trust, especially around WikiLeaks related things, um kind of advise large grains of salt around the Guardian's report. Right. Yeah, and they so it seemed to be back a little bit this afternoon. Yeah. I am a little bit I think that there is more to this story than we know. And I think that there's a lot, as with everything, as with Manafort himself, like there is a lot of dumb people thinking that they can kind of 3D chess their way out of things. And it does seem like there's at least a question mark around some of the details of, of the of the Manafort Assange thing. But I think to me, like, one of the things is, is like you see a report like that and it's just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like that's we are at the point where everything is just like, yeah, yeah, I buy. It. Yeah, that makes sense. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they hang out? It does seem a little more potentially substantial that Corsi and Roger Stone were coordinating with. Oh, yes. In large part because I think they've basically said as much and then yeah. kind of backpedal when they're like, oh, well, I didn't really say that. And it's like, well, no, you here's a th well, I didn't mean it or, or we're I was definitely, joking. We're going to get indicted. I mean, we're going to get indicted. I mean, yeah, we're going to. That who is gets, a who, that is a weird scam that they seem to be running right now. I don't understand their I don't understand their angle, but there's some angle. Well, again. The guy has a tattoo of Nixon on his back and dresses like the Baba Duke. Yeah. So you know it's it's he's gonna be he's got it. All just so weird. <laughs> it's like they're just all it's like the evil Adams family. Honestly, uh, it's just such a diss to the Adams family. I know, I know. Oh, choose your weirdo. I don't want to. No. I don't want to choose my weirdo, Maureen. You got to choose a weirdo. Choose your own weirdo adventures. Oh. 
turn to if you choose Stem Nunberg, turn to page thirty four. If you choose Roger Stone, turn to page fifty six. <gasps> we should rate this book. I just don't want to think about any of these weirdos anymore, Maureen. Is there someone awesome we could talk to instead? Actually, right over here in this corner, we have Charlotte Clymer. And you may know Charlotte from Twitter, where she is an amazing social media presence. She's also the press secretary for Rapid Response at the Human Rights Campaign. Her work is, her writing work has appeared in GQ, NBC News, Quartz, Dame Magazine, and many other places. She's everywhere. She's the coolest. She's Charlotte. I first, I'd like to, I first got to know you, like who you were on Twitter, because one day this ma- you, this magical person was there, just sort of everywhere, <laughs> fighting this good fight. Um, you you were just kind of taking on all the assholes of the world and slaying it. Um, can, I'm just curious if you could tell us a bit how you got started in your social media advocacy work. I mean, it's interesting because and it, because sometimes I'll, I'll have people who ask, like, how do you get good at Twitter? Like, how does a person go? What is the process for going about getting good at social media? And honestly, you know, I joined Twitter, I think, in 2007. And for a solid six or seven years, no one gave a shit what I had to say. <laughs> you know, I was tweeting maybe on a daily basis. Um, and no one really cared. It, it took a long time of just kind of being authentic and slowly kind of ganging people who would listen to me. Um, and I would say around 2012, 2013, I started to get really political, um, much more political than I had been when I was in the military. But being out of the military, uh, I had more freedom to kind of offer my opinions and uh, be outspoken on social injustice. And it just started gathering steam slowly but surely. I would say after the election, though, that's when it really hit. And it's funny because a lot of the people that we see now who have blown up into these full-fledged movement leaders, you know, I knew those folks before the election. Like Lauren Duca has been a good friend of mine for, you know, three years now, or three or four years now. Um, This was back when we were just freelance writers and... You know, we would talk about, uh, you know, p- politics or whatever. Uh, and so seeing her blow up uh, by taking on the Tucker Carlson's of the world has been really wonderful. But you, you have this you have a, an amazing background where you you're you're a veteran. You were six years in the army. That's right. Correct? And then you yeah. went to West Point after that. So I was I was enlisted for three and a half years and I went to West Point on an active duty contract. So I had re-enlisted in November of 2008 for six years. So not to, sorry, that's a little confusing. I did three years enlisted. I re-enlisted for six years um, at the end of that term of service. And I went to West Point with the knowledge that if I left West Point, I would have to finish my active duty contract. Um, And so that service counts towards my overall time in service. Um, so anyway, went to West Point for a couple of years, got really sick near the end of my sophomore year, and I was medically retired. Um, but like total of six years time in service. Wow. 
and then you left and you sort of entered a political phase kind of right after that. I did. I I came back to DC um, in 2012, early 2012, still dealing, still dealing with health issues. And my dream of being, you know, this lifelong military officer, served my country, was overnight just gone. And I thought to myself, well, what's next? Like, what, what is a way that I can have an impact on the world still? And while I was in the military, um, I had been kind of researching more of women's rights, LGBTQ rights, racial inequality, getting really pissed off at the world. And so I started writing about these things. And I had this shitty little um, blocker account, I think, in mid-2012. And I was just writing these little pieces, you know, just maybe 500, 600 words, just rants. And a friend of mine said, you know, you should see about publishing this, like just see if anyone would, would think about it. And that's all she said. And so I took you know, this one blog entry that I did, and I sent it to HuffPost, uh, to this editor there, and they published it, and it went viral. And it did so well, they gave me, um, you know, the, what they were called, what they were called back then was the, uh, the blogger accounts, the backstage.com accounts. Um, and so I would submit blogs, and I think that's just how I gained an audience over time. There's such a hard stop. And as you said, it was sort of a forced stop, you know, due to health and then a shift into, you know, doing advocacy work and and writing about this stuff. And, you know, how do you see the two sides, you know, those two parts of your life? Like now that you're you've got some distance from from that moment, like how do you see it all connecting? I could talk about that intersection for the next five hours if you let me. (laughs) Um, I really could. Um, Let's do this. Come on. I'll I'll try to keep it as short as I can. Uh, The biggest thing is that we have a tendency in our culture to dismiss liberals as, you know, weak, unpatriotic, uh, hate America, etc. Like those those are the awful, vicious stereotypes. You know, we, we know, of course, that people on the left side of the political spectrum love our country. We love what our country could be, right? Um, but the vicious stereotypes are out there to the point where now when we see a veteran speak up, uh, in, you know, the context of liberal politics, it's something that seems like a novelty, even though it's not, but it seems like a novelty to a lot of folks. Um, I'll give you a good example. Uh, it was summer of last year and I was, seeing news items about Sheriff Clark, uh, David Clark, the, that asshole out of, uh, what is it? Wisconsin. I Milwaukee. Think yeah. Yeah. Milwaukee. Right. And, uh, the news item was that he was being considered for, uh, Homeland security secretary. And I just got angry, just not even about the nomination itself, which I was, but, but I, I was just getting into that petty place where, uh, I want to rant. And so I ranted about his, uh, his military, or excuse me, his uniform, because he wears a lot of decorations that he doesn't, he hasn't earned. Right. And I thought everybody knew this. In fact, in fact, I remember this because I sat down to the computer to write a thread about it. I I almost didn't do it because I thought it's not like you're contributing anything to the conversation. Everyone can see that he's wearing 
things that he shouldn't. This is just you being petty and wanting to rant. But I did anyway. I, I sat down and I wrote it out um, because I was angry. And I was shocked to discover that 99.9999% of civilians had no idea about this. No clue. And what I found out through that entire week is that the thread went viral and you know, soon the Washington Post, MSNBC, they were picking this up or picking the story up at least. And investigating Clark for the, you know, things that he had worn that he hadn't earned. And what I realized were, was that civilians had no idea about this. Military did know it, but we just figured civilians knew and didn't care. Yeah. And so no one was talking to each other about this. It was the weirdest thing. It was the, it, it honestly is the weirdest thing I've uh, encountered on social media. I remember I you think, doing this and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> But isn't that weird? Because I, I talked to other veterans that after that happened, and they said the same thing. They, they said they thought that civilians knew about this, and we were all surprised that y'all who did, you know, just have not been in the military had no idea. And it made me also kind of realize that there's this enormous gap between the military and civilian worlds that we've yet to reconcile. Uh, we kind of have this tendency to... Um, almost put military service in this, I don't know how to say it, uh, kind of like this museum box uh, or, or put it on a pedestal where it's beyond reproach, which is absolutely wrong. Folks who serve in the military are not better than anyone else in our country. Uh, we, uh, just because we serve in the military doesn't mean that our political opinions should carry more weight, right? But we've gotten to such a point where military service is beyond reproach and military service is also somehow inextricable from conservative politics, so that if we attack conservative views, we're attacking military service, which means we're attacking the United States overall. And it's such a, and I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to swear on here. A lot. I'm allowed to swear oh. on here. It oh, is such a completely yes. fucked up dynamic. I can't stand it. Um, God, I'm sorry. I, I please stop me if I'm talking too much about this. No, because no, no, I, I no. I mean, I grew up in that kind of atmosphere. I, you know, I I had a lot of Marines in my family, and I, you know, I will say, like my, for example, my grandfather was in the Marines for 40 years. He was in oh, World wow. War One and World War Two. He was wow. first division Guadalcanal. He won a Silver Star. Like he was holy shit. He was in for years. He's super, also super nice guy, but. As I explained to people the other on Veterans Day, I'm like, you know what? He taught me is like, you don't count out to Nazis. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> you know, it's the opposite of what we're doing now. Like, you know what? When you see Nazism, you say no. <laughs> you say no to it very firmly all the time without pause. Yes. That's the message of veterans. And it's it's so tragic. I think what the past two years have revealed beyond the shadow of a doubt is that for so many conservative Americans, uh, for so many who still identify as Republicans, military service has never been about service to the country. It's been about having a vehicle to uh, further establish white supremacy in our country. Because when we think of the great military war hero, we don't think of you know the black women who are serving. We don't think of people of color overall or women or queer folks who serve in uniform honorably. Our vision, the, the way it's been marketed to us again and again, is of a white, straight, cisgender man. 
yeah. uh, serving in defense of all of us, and we should be grateful to him and all of his views for doing so. And it's so, so sad. Uh, and so what I, what I am kind of grateful for uh, is the fact that we're moving away from that finally. We're recognizing that military service should not be tied to politics. It should be about fidelity to the Constitution. That's what it says in our oath. When we take an oath, we take an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We do not take an oath to, you know, a political party. We do not take an oath to, you know, uh, defend the American flag as a fabric against civil liberties. You know, none of that. It's to the Constitution. And part of the Constitution means defending the Bill of Rights, you know, freedom of speech, which is why so many of us were up in arms over Colin Kaepernick being shamed for his respectful protest against white supremacy. You know, as a veteran, I'm sure you saw the 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 nice phone call that he made. Um, oh God! I'm just well. I mean, it's it. not just the phone call, right? Like, I mean, it was his complete disregard of Veterans Day. It was, you know, the it, not traveling in the rain in France. Like, there, it feels like there's been this sort of like cascade over the last few weeks of of slights. Toward you know, toward veterans and towards active military on on Trump's behalf, and and yet the folks that would have been up in arms about any you know pick any one of those things would have been up in arms uh, seem to excuse it all. Like, how do you see that? Well, first of all, Trump hates the military. I just want to get that out of the way real quick. Uh, Trump Trump only likes the military as a tool that inflates his ego in the performative way that we do. Uh, since he's in his role as president and the military has to salute him and, uh, you know, kind of play, uh, uh, basically, I don't know how to put it, basically this ornamental role to him. And we're the only ones who have to do that, by the way. He likes uh, the parade. He, he loves it. He loves a parade. But as far as the military goes, as people, he doesn't like us. He hates us. And the reason being is that we do things that he never would have the courage to do. Um, and it's, it's so visible in the way that he treats veterans, uh, the way he runs the Department of Veterans Affairs, the way he's interacted with military officers uh, and disregarded their advice. Um, that, that, that call on Thanksgiving was, was, was pissed me off so much because every Thanksgiving what you'll see uh, our military commanders right up to the president of the United States go out to the troops and you see them serve them dinner. Uh, so President Obama, every year, he would go to a military base with the first lady and he would literally serve soldiers dinner from the chow line. That's, that's a tradition. Uh, it's an act of humility and deference to those that you uh, lead into war. And Trump didn't do that. He didn't do it last year either. He has this he has this habit of making everything about him, which means doing a phone call and then turning the phone call away from their service into whatever bullshit you know he is personally griping about. You know, he doesn't like the military. He doesn't. I want to transition us now toward, you know, your work with uh, the human rights campaign. Obviously, LGBTQ folk have been in the in the crosshairs since Day, you know, since inauguration day. And I'm curious about kind of how you're able to balance your your time in in the military and your work with with HRC and and you know how how are we able to kind of 
stop the fucking awfulness that they're doing all the time. I'm completely inarticulate about it. No, no. I I think everyone feels inarticulate about this moment in history uh, because it's it's nothing that approaches anything we've been through. Um, I, I it, it's almost like uh, there's. Uh, you know, if America were a long fireworks show, this is feels like a finale because everything is going off all at once. Yeah. We have civil rights violations going off. We have, you know, grave issues of national security. Um, we have grave issues of corruption within our government. It's like every scandal from the past has decided to converge at once and happen all at the same time. Um, the LGBTQ piece is incredibly worrisome. For obvious reasons, uh, because you're right, Trump has been attacking LGBTQ people from the first 48 hours after he took the oath of office. Uh, he started removing LGBTQ web pages uh, from government websites within two days, actually within a day of taking the oath. Um, that was his first action, and ever since then, we've just seen this slow progression of attacks on LGBTQ people and trans people in particular. Yeah, And it's frankly terrifying. When that New York Times article came out two weeks ago about the Trump administration looking to redefine the word gender uh, to exclude trans people from civil rights protections, we weren't surprised. <laughs> right. There were a lot of cis people, uh, cisgender people, who were really surprised by that. And we just thought, oh, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking, it's infuriating, but we knew this, we knew this day was coming. Um, and we've been trying to bang the drum about this for a long time. And it's so frustrating to see certain members of the media who, I, I don't know, it's just like, I can't tell whether they honestly didn't see it coming or whether they did see it coming and just didn't care enough to report it. And now that it's clear there's this pattern, uh, they're embarrassed that they weren't covering it before. It's, it's hard to tell. Um, but it's it's pretty obvious to us that Pence, in particular, Mike Pence, would have LGBTQ protections erased generally. Like he, if, if Pence could do this, he would roll back the the same sex marriage rulings with the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, he would make it so that um, being LGBTQ was completely illegal uh, in our government. Um, I mean, it, it would it would it, he would absolutely try to implement a dystopian society in regards to the queer community. And so what we're trying to do with that is, you know, raise the alarm, first of all, uh, but second of all, fight for the Equality Act. The Equality Act is a piece of legislation that would uh, basically implement civil, protect or civil rights protections on a federal level across the board, uh, which means that, you know, you wouldn't be able to be discriminated against. You wouldn't be able to be fired from your job for being gay or trans. Uh, you wouldn't be able to um, see a bisexual child uh, uh, harassed in school for being bisexual. All these things. Uh, because even after marriage was legalized, uh, it's like everyone thought that that was the end of it. That somehow right, there weren't right. other LGBTQ issues going on. The truth is that in 32 states, you can still be fired for being trans. In 27 states, you can be fired for being gay or lesbian. And I want folks who are listening to understand that. That means that in 27 states, your employer can literally walk up to you and say, you're gay, and because of that, I'm firing you from this position, and that's totally legal. 
And people don't know that. It, it blows my mind that folks don't know that. It, it's like uh, that marriage ruling came down, and then suddenly we thought, oh, well, that's it. We're, we're good to go now. It's not true. We have so much work left to do for the queer community. Are there any kind of day-to-day things you could suggest people could help, you know, to do to help their trans friends, whether it's political or showing up with a hot dish and being and saying, you probably need this? <laughs> hey, free food is always good. Yeah. Free food is, is always a good thing to do for folks. But, you know, on a more serious note, I think just speaking up for us in general, when you see a hateful comment about a trans person, say something. You know, make it clear that transphobic hatred is completely unacceptable and is misaligned with the country that we want to be. Uh, but more than that, <clears throat> fight for the Equality Act, fight for uh, trans troops in the military, fight for the right of a child to be openly trans in a school and be able to use the restroom that aligns with their gender, excuse me, that aligns with their gender identity. Um, you know, on a smaller scale, use the proper pronouns, which is so easy to do. It's like the easiest thing ever to do. It's just use the pronouns that a person, you know, chooses. Um, if you can remember a nickname for uh, someone who's an acquaintance at work or school, you can remember, remember you can remember their pronouns. That's too easy. Um, but there's so much you can do. I think making an effort in general is, is also good. I always see people who are very well-intentioned, who want trans people to educate them on the issues. And I understand it comes from a really good place, and it comes from having a good heart and wanting to be empathetic. But I got to tell you, it's exhausting to answer the same questions to well-meaning cisgender people over and over again. Um, I get I get lovely messages from cisgender people in my inbox, sometimes two or three dozen on a daily basis, asking the most basic questions that could that could be answered with a simple Google search. Um, stuff like you know, uh, I want to help my trans friends who is out at work. How do I do that? And I I love that you're asking that, but at the same time, I, you know, I don't get paid uh, to educate someone. And, and, and it's fine for you to ask because we're on a program and this is the issues we're talking about. Sure. Um, but I just don't have the time and no trans person has the time to educate cis people all day, every day throughout the day. So if you go to Google and you type in a simple word search or a simple search query, like, uh, you know, how do I be a good ally to trans people? All these essays and, and books will pop up that you can read that will teach you how to do it without putting that labor on trans people uh, to do. Okay, so that's a good first tip is Google that shit. Yes, Google that shit. It's so easy. <laughs> and that goes for everybody. Like that goes for us as white people. You know, don't don't ask your friend of color to teach you about racism. That's that's so mean. It, it's just inconsiderate. It's like, you know, showing up to a house party without a bottle of wine. It's rude. And right? there are people you who write books about it and that's you can pay them for their labor and buy their book and yes. read about it. Yeah, that's fine. There are people who have already been paid to write articles about it that you can read for free online. It's so easy. The marvelous machine. Ah, uh, yes the the World Wide Web. It's wonderful. Um, it's it's so interesting that we're you know talking about this now because the one year anniversary of me coming out is on Thursday. And so wow. it's kind of serendipity that we're having this conversation. Congratulations! I was reading your piece on. Um, you got a the when you came out, your friend gave you a, an appointment with a stylist, and you were like, 
and you discussed in the piece that you basically you you decided to view your your wardrobe choices choices as an argument as a presentation of yourself and i was like that's brilliant and wonderful oh my god i i was terrified i and honestly one of the things that i'm not saying this was the thing that kept me from coming out because it wasn't but certainly one of the more minor concerns of coming out was i was afraid i would wear women's clothing wrong or feminine clothing wrong and looking back it's a very understandable fear um but that should never keep someone from coming out uh there was a click moment though uh i think about a month after i came out it just occurred to me oh wait i look my best when i'm wearing clothes that are comfortable and that i like which seems so simple, but it's it's something that I think a lot of women, uh, a lot of women regardless, cisgender or transgender, still struggle with. Uh, is because women are often pressured to dress for other people rather than dress for ourselves. And when I started dressing for myself, and I tend to have a very conservative preppy style, I felt really good. I felt really, really good. Um, when I stopped worrying about how people might perceive me or if I was being a good trans person or a good woman uh, and just kind of... Uh, you know, had my own style, uh, I felt wonderful and confident. I will say, I think that you have a very strong accessory game, uh, particularly <laughs> scarves. <laughs> In looking at your photos, I was like, I have scarves. I should wear more scarves. I think that's how you wear a scarf. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know how to describe it, but when I came out, I had this feeling of euphoria and that feeling has not gone away. I thought it would wear off after a few months, but it hasn't. It's been a year now and I still feel as happy about coming out as the day I came out. That's and I mean great. that. I mean, you have a glow. Like you that have like amazing. a real kind of beautiful glow. And like all your, all your photos are like, I'm killing it. And I know it. That's sort yes. of what they look like. <laughs> <laughs> it feels good. It, 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 you know, having all that pins up aggression and anger and resentment and you can't express it to the world unless you're doing it in a violent way and you should never do that. But uh, having all that just anxiety and depression and anger and finally been able to get it out there and just be yourself is a feeling that I can't describe. It's better than any feeling. Being authentic is a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been this has been awesome. Yeah, it's been great. And maybe we can have a celebratory uh, second episode in about six to 12 months when things get better. So <laughs> bless your oh, dear heart. Very, yeah. <laughs> Although in Southern, that's that's a slam, isn't it? If I say bless your dear heart. It is. But when Northerners do it, I get that it's a compliment. So I love okay. it. <laughs> okay, good. okay, good. Thank you so much. Of course. It's been an honor to be on. And I hope you all are taking care of yourselves. That was great. Maureen, I feel gooder, at least. I feel gooder. I want your prediction now. Oh, Jesus. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot I'd promised that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're certainly going to know a lot more about what Manafort was lying about shortly, which I think also... Yeah, okay. All right. I got two. We're going to find a lot more about what Manafort was lying about, which I also think means... We are going to begin to see Mueller put his chess pieces on the board for the first time. I think he's going to reveal some information that uh, he has withheld, but which will kind of prove the depth to which he kind of 
knows all. That That's it. That's my two. All right. Here's also something I want. If you were going to make a throw down a date right now when you think the report's coming out. Oh. I mean, I'm I'm 10. This is like where it's sort of like we're playing. Is it roulette where you just put a chip on and say, here's my number? Huh. I still I personally think we're still a ways away from the report. I think we will not see the report until well, I'll go with January 21st, 2019. All right. I'm going to go with December 19th. Wow. Wednesday, December 19th. Holy cow. It will be a Wednesday because that would be that would mean we had released an episode that was immediately mm-hmm. superseded by news. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, and what are your predictions for the week then? Roger Stone will be indicted. Oof. Yeah. All right. That's what I got. I'm in. I like it. Yeah, and he'll I do like it. it. Yeah. So that's it. I'm choosing my fighter. <laughs> Choose your fighter. Uh, you know who's who I'm choosing, Maureen? It's going to be Ted Leo, isn't it? It's always Ted Leo. No, it's going to be you. Oh. But not you, Maureen, you. Oh. You, all of our patrons. Uh, uh, Patreon.com slash says who, you. That you. You, you. I'm choosing you as my fighter because you are the one that makes says who happen. Really feels like I'm talking to you when I say you. Yeah, it sounds like you're talking to me. But we've had even I'm more, not. more citizens have come this week. And it we every time it happens, we're like really moved and floored, like in a way yeah, that's... The population of says Whovia has crossed 250. Which amazes us. And we are genuinely massively appreciative. Indeed. Because, Indeed we are. Because right now I am a grown-ass adult sitting on, in a desk chair in her former bedroom, which is now like another office bedroom in her parents' house, um, whispering into a microphone that she's holding. Like, I, I feel like a lunatic right now. If you could see <laughs> see how I was doing this. And then I was like, but my normal setup is that I crawl into a closet full of soundproofing tiles. Um, so thank you for supporting this, is what I'm saying. Indeed. It's a beautiful yeah. world we live in that something that that we can just make something like this. And um, I'm very thankful for that right now. It is a regular marvel and exciting news for Sezhuvian supporters. At the $2 and up level, you get a sticker. At the $10 and up level, you get a enamel pin of the mascot of Sezhuvia, Wedgie. The wedge salad. And I, as we were recording, Maureen, I just got a UPS shipping notice from the enamel pin manufacturer. Ding dong. That shit's heading my way. It's going out and we'll be sending out the books for those of you who yeah. have um, got taken the book package. I'll be getting in touch with you to find out the book of your choice, which I have to say I hope is truly devious because it doesn't have to be. I'll get you whatever book you want. I promise. Just saying. I got my fingers crossed because I just got a box of them. So... Nice. Um, and if you want it to be uh, the Vanishing Stare, you just have to wait till I get them, which should be soon. 
Oh, that's a, yeah, that's comes a out, sweet deal. Yeah, it comes out in January, but I, I probably will get the box, I would imagine, in early January. But yeah, all the supporter goodies are going to be heading your way for the holidays. That's right. You know who else I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for Ted, Ted Leo. Leo. Yeah, I knew it was coming. Ooh, Ted Leo this, ooh, Ted Leo that. Well, it's also because it's the next thing on our your, little script. That's Maureen. your podcast. I only listen to Ted Leo. That's not. That's not my pod. My podcast is says who, but Ted Leo recorded the theme music. Oh, Ted Leo is the best. Jeez. I mean, he is, but I'm so he's the best. Okay, then. Well, he is. A I'm... seasonal thank you to Darth. Darth, we love you. Always, Darth. We love you, Darth. You can contact us at Says Who Podcast on Twitter. You can email at hey, that is H-E-Y, at SaysWhoPodcast.com. You can join the discussion on Facebook at slash groups slash Says Whovians. Our Facebook group is moderated by Janice Dillard. By the way, did you really just get a notification that a box was coming? I'm literally not kidding. Sent at 5.17 p.m. UPS ship notification. That's a beautiful thing that you could get shipping notifications if you're getting a box delivered to your house. And say that you're, you get you find a box ah. on your doorstep. It. You're like, what's in it? You open it up. It's uh. food. What are you going to do with it? Uh. You're going to cook it. You know why? It's Blue Apron, our sponsor. It's not. It's They aren't. And they're going to send you things Our only like, sponsor is the good people that have given us their hard-earned monthly donations at Patreon.com slash says who. Don't you want someone to FedEx you a cabbage? Don't you? No. Well, I mean, a, a pin of a face with a, on a lettuce wedge, yes. So That's on its way. If you would like to get some spaghetti that's way overpriced, and I'm sure it's great, but you get it in a box. Scheduled delivery of 11-30-2018. Just go to blueapron.com backslash Dan's getting a box of wedgie pins backslash backslash says who backslash not, 70 free boxes and you'll get 69 free boxes. <sighs> of It's not. None of those things are true, people. Here's something that is true. You can join us next week, December 5th. For our next episode, it's suddenly the month of December, Maureen. That's freaking me out. It's Christmas time. He's coming. He's coming before Christmas because he's Santa. He's Santa. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for Ooh, Very good. creepy rendition Let's of that say, song. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better so you not. normally sing this song? I'm telling you why. Deeply disturbing rendition. Mother is coming to town. Well, I'm not sleeping tonight. From my basement in Chicago, I'm Dan Sinker. And from the front bedroom of the place in Philly with Gritty. I'm Maureen Johnson. And this has been Says Who. Bad or good.